You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, January the 27th in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and on Mondays we take a look at one of the readings for the following Sunday, which just so happens to be the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. And we're going to be looking at the reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 31. This is actually a continuation from last week's epistle, uh, which I preached upon. And rather than begin with verse 18, I want to talk about verse 17. Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I began the sermon by asking the people who would disagree that when we talk about the gospel, we should do it with eloquence and persuasiveness. And nobody disagreed. And then I read this text, not with words of eloquent wisdom. What is Paul talking about? That we ought not really be concerned how we speak the message of the gospel? Well, it's those words, eloquent wisdom, that you need to take a look at in the original Greek. Uh, the best translation that really gets it across is the New American Standard. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, that the cross of Christ should not be made void. And the point I made in the sermon is that a lot of people have cleverness of speech, but they're not speaking the Bible. Uh, you find this in some radio broadcast, not on KFUO, but if you listen to Evangelical, they'll give you this song and dance. If you obey the Lord, you're going to have a wonderful life. Uh, look at me. Uh, I've got riches. I have a nice house. I've got a beautiful wife, drive great cars. You too can have that. People normally stay in those churches two to three years until they realize that's not true. There is no promise in the Bible. In fact, part of the gospel for this coming week are the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted. So God does not promise us an easy life. He just promises us to give us comfort no matter what we go through. Now, it isn't that Paul was against baptism. He ends up talking about having baptized some people, but he was made an apostle to the Gentiles, and the way to bring them to faith was through preaching. And that now begins our text, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the word of the cross is folly, to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Wow, what, what is that word folly? Folly, another translation is 
foolishness. And it comes from the Greek word moria. Have you ever talked about somebody being uh, moron? Well, well, that's the Greek. And you see, when the gospel is preached, the holy word of God, it sounds moronic to those who are perishing. Why does it sound that way? A lot of people say it's moronic to believe that some carpenter from Nazareth died on the cross, and therefore my sins are forgiven. That doesn't make any sense at all. But I think there's another reason, and that's why this program is called Law and Gospel. Under the law, we are accused of sin to such a degree that there is nothing we can do to get out of the punishment of sin. Nothing we can do. And I believe a lot of unbelievers do not like Christianity because to trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins means you must believe that there is a sin you have that needs to be forgiven. And a lot of people, how many times do you do something wrong and when you're accused of it, you blame someone else or the circumstances, or they'll say, what would you have done in my situation? And it's really interesting that people always try to make excuse, as did Adam and Eve. But of course, when you make those excuses, you are also blaming God for putting you in that situation and therefore causing you to sin from your point of view. But God is not to be blamed because you have free will to sin. You just don't have free will to believe in Jesus Christ. So when you hear the message, particularly the law, that was John the baptizer. Remember what happened to him? He was beheaded because of giving the law to Herod who had a immoral marriage. So the word of the cross is moronic to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, the word power is another interesting word. The only reason I use the Greek is to show you that there are English words taken from that. And the word power there is dunamis. And what word do we get from that? dynamite. I'll tell you, the preaching of the cross is dynamite to those who are unbelievers. It blows apart the fact that they think that they're righteous enough to get to heaven apart from Christ. And it also makes their heart leap for joy. Remember on the road to Emmaus, Jesus is talking to the two disciples. He's explaining the necessity of the crucifixion, and he's using Old Testament passages. And they say their heart began to leap within them as they heard this wonderful good news. That's the dynamite of the cross. For it is written, and this is Old Testament, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning 
I will throat, thwart. Now, what is Paul talking about? People really think they're far wiser than God. And God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And the reason I'm going to do that is because their wisdom is contrary to the word of God. How many times have you said to someone, I love Jesus Christ, but he forgives my sins. And someone says, well, I don't really need him because my sins are not that great. In fact, by even saying that, that is a sin. So the wisdom of the wise needs to be destroyed. And to destroy it means to put it out of the way entirely, to to abolish it. Uh, For example, in Judaism, which became a different religion than in the Old Testament, the unbelieving Pharisees would look to the ceremonial laws as a way of being saved. Thank God I'm not like that tax collector because, and then they start mentioning various actions they are doing, tithing and fasting, and they're all ceremonial laws. That's the wisdom of the wise that needs to be destroyed. You you cannot be saved by any works that you do. Mark chapter 10, after talking to the rich man, the disciples asked Jesus, well, who then can be saved if this rich man who attends worship every week, who gives large tithes, if he cannot be saved, who can be saved? Jesus says, with men, it is impossible, but not with God because God does for you what is impossible for you to do for yourself. Verse 20, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Now, the foolishness of the world And that's when they preach with eloquent wisdom, which, as we said before, simply means nonsense. Because the eloquent wisdom that they're preaching with is really cleverness of speech. We see that a lot in politicians. It doesn't matter what they are saying, but to their speech, they add promises like, we'll pay for all your student loans, or you won't have to pay for uh, medicine anymore. We'll take care of your medical costs, and and everybody's going to have a house. That's called the cleverness of speech that Paul is against. So in the religious field, there are pastors who do that, as I said. Yes, if you become a Christian and begin to follow the will of God, you'll get all kinds of benefits and you can become like me. Verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, 
it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So the wisdom of God is far greater than the world. But you cannot find a religion anywhere outside of Christianity that talks about how their particular God died to save you from eternal hell. No. Every religion outside of Christianity teaches you need to obey the law. And when you obey the law, then you'll get blessings from God. That's called the world not knowing God through wisdom. They have a just God. What does that mean? It's not that our God, the Holy Trinity, is not just. He just didn't forgive your sins for nothing. But he had his son pay for your sins on the cross and then transfers that payment over to you. In that way, he is just. But the justice I'm talking about that's found in every other so-called religious God is a justice that says you get what you deserve. Remember the Pharisee, he was thanking God for all the ceremonial laws he obeyed. So he expected to be rewarded. That's what I deserve. And he didn't realize that by talking about his works, he was boasting. And that's part of the cross. Nobody can boast about being saved any more than, let's say, for your birthday, uh, you get a new pen that you really have wanted. Well, you don't boast about that. Look at what I got. No, you you may thank the person who gave it to you, but you're not boasting because you had nothing to do in getting that new pen. The same way people are boasting in other religions about being saved, but they're foolish in their wisdom. So God decided to have the preaching, which is moronic in the ears of the unbelievers, to save those who what? That word at the end of verse 21 is believe. And it's the big word used in the Reformation, salvation through belief, salvation through faith. That's how we usually translate it. It's the same word in the Greek. And it means believing the promises of the gospel. Those promises are moronic. They're foolish to the unbeliever. What do you mean that my sins are that great that it took God to become a human being? That's foolish in itself. He was a man from Nazareth. He was probably really the son of Joseph and Mary. Uh, not, Not what the Bible talks about being incarnate by the Holy Spirit. So the wisdom of the world really rejects the message of Christianity. And we can see their rejection in what happened to Paul. He was whipped. 
He was imprisoned. He was at times not given food. That's what a Christian can expect from the Beatitudes. Now, why is that? Paul goes on to explain in verse 22. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. So when Paul was preaching to the Greeks, he did it with talking about their wisdom and then would include the cross of Christ. And many people were really interested in hearing that. How many came to faith because of it? We don't know for sure, but there were some who did. And Jews demand signs. Remember that conversation Jesus had? What sign are you going to give? And Jesus says, only those of an adulterous generation. And he's referring that they're committing adultery with a false God. They love a false God rather than loving Jesus. Only they seek for signs. And the only sign that's going to be given is being in, like Jonah, being in the earth for three days. Jesus is prophesying his burial and, of course, his resurrection. Why is that a sign? Because those in faith remember, wow, that is prophecies from the Old Testament now fulfilled. How many times do you ask Jesus for a sign? You're trying to decide maybe what car to buy. Well, give me a sign. And then you're watching a movie and the one car you were thinking of buying gets in a crash because it can't stop fast enough. Well, you jump to the conclusion that's a sign from God for me to buy the other car. Well, we love signs. Well, while we forget It doesn't matter what car you buy because the promises of God are going to be kept. Verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. You can only imagine the Pentecost sermon Peter gave where he accused the hearers of killing the Messiah the Christ. And then remember their response, what can we do? You know, how can we be saved? And Peter tells them something they can't do, but something God will do. You will be baptized. Preaching Christ crucified really is hard for, impossible for an unbeliever to accept because how does someone dying 2,000 years ago, how does that possibly make a difference in my life today? But that's the message of Holy Scripture, Christ crucified. Now, those who are called, and the word called there is referring to the fact that they are called by God to be part of the elect. Both Jews and Greeks or Jews and Gentiles. Christ becomes the power of God and the wisdom of God. Uh, Attend a proper funeral, where at the beginning people are weeping, 
It's not that after the funeral, they don't keep crying and weeping, but now they have a joy knowing that their loved one is in a place that they too, through faith in Christ, will be going to. And so it's a different attitude, a different perspective that the believer gets as the cross is preached. It's a power that brings joy. It's the wisdom of God that you now agree with. And verse 25 says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God stronger than men. Well, what does it mean, the foolishness of God? Well, there are a lot of things that are foolish from a human point of view. You go to send a prophet to Jesse, Samuel, to choose the king for Israel. And Samuel goes through the first sons of Jesse. All look like they can be a king. And God says, no. And they call instead the youngest, who is David, who takes care of sheep. And he is the chosen one by God. Jesus Christ is born at Christmas. To whom does God send messengers? Well, he sends messengers that are unclean. That is, shepherds who kill sheep and wise men who are Gentiles. He, he doesn't go to the religious leaders of the day. There's a lot of foolishness. God choosing a bunch of fishermen to take care of the preaching of the message. A fisherman who until Pentecost still didn't understand a lot of what God does. But the most foolish thing that God has done is he has chosen you. Verse 26, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. You see, in every other religion, those are the kinds of people that are chosen to believe. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. John the baptizer, like Elijah wearing camel's hair and having locusts for lunch, was in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance. What happened to John the baptizer? Well, he spoke against Herod's marriage and he was weak compared to Herod, but he confounded the wise Herod and the mighty Herod until he was put to death. And then Herod, he received the punishment for his sins. Verse 28, God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. I remember one of the disciples when he heard that Jesus was from Nazareth. What good can come out of Nazareth? It wasn't a well-known town, but he came to faith when he finally met Jesus. That's 
you, you really were despised in the world because of your lack of wisdom. You do not agree with the world. Verse 29, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And that's what the unbelievers do. They boast saying, well, I I don't need Jesus. I am not that bad a sinner. I'm boasting about my good works. Verse 30, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. There's the blessings that we receive. We receive an understanding of reality that an unbeliever never has. We are declared righteous and we are redeemed by God because he bought us out of slavery. Therefore, verse 31, the last, so that it is as it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's the message of Christianity and helps us to understand who Jesus really is. One we can boast in because even though the cross appears to be foolish to us, it is not. It's the wisdom of God. And in that cross is found your salvation. We'll be boasting about that message more on tomorrow's Law and Gospel when we take a look at a specific hymn. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks so much for listening today. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 31. God bless. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.